You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. It just continues. My, oh, my. Rapino sends it in low. Go, U.S. It's Superb's building. You bet. She's up. Punches right now. Hello there, everybody, and welcome back to Circling Seattle Sports on Converge Media. Of course, as always, I'm your host, Charles Hammerker, here with you. Um, we are here once again in the home studio for the day. We are uh, working on getting the new director, as our old friend Curtis is uh, on to uh, bigger and better things. He's working on a, a different career here. So we're in the home studio. We're working with what we got. Um, the show must go on. Things continue. The Seahawks are at the end of their training camp, and uh, preseason cuts are already underway. So there's going to be a lot of news with that in the coming weeks and leading into week one. The Mariners are the hottest team in baseball, knock on wood, despite what the Bleacher Report um, uh, standings will tell you. Um, the Storm have officially been eliminated from playoff contention. The Sounders, they didn't lose in their last match, so that's something, but we'll talk about that. The Rain did lose, um, and we'll get through all that. So. We'll start off, of course, with our Seahawks here who went to Lambeau Field, went uh, to play the Green Bay Packers on the road in this game. Uh, week three of the preseason, the finale of the preseason for 2023. A big opportunity for a lot of the players who don't necessarily have their spot carved out, don't necessarily know if they're going to be on the roster for them to go out and showcase that. Uh, at quarterback, though, it was mainly Drew Locke getting the snaps. Uh, all of the, well, all but 10 of the 35 pass attempts uh, made by a quarterback uh, on the Seahawks side were Drew Locke. Uh, Holton Allers got the last drive of the game for the Seahawks, uh, and that was about it. They wanted to get Drew Locke more reps and more experience, and he was able to do that in this game, but the Seahawks would lose this one 15 to 19 uh, Holton on that last drive of the game through an interception. The Seahawks were actually in the red zone driving, trying to uh, go ahead and win the game there. They were unable to do so. And the Seahawks would lose a preseason game. Who really cares? Um, Holton Eiler is not able to get that uh, comeback game winning drive. Uh, talking about offensive and defensive players of the game. I went with Drew Locke. I mean, 16 completions on 25 pass attempts, 150 yards in total, one touchdown uh, through the air, a 93.8 quarterback rating. So, I mean, not the worst thing in the world. He didn't get sacked. He didn't throw an interception. He was able to clean up the turnovers, which is a big thing uh, for Drew Locke. And I mean, this is big for him. It was very interesting earlier in the offseason that Geno Smith said that he kind of felt bad for Drew Locke because he felt, uh, and it was interesting, this quote, because Geno Smith is very confident in Drew Locke and thinks he can start at other uh, with other teams. But instead, Drew Locke is going to have to sit here and be the backup to Geno Smith. So it's uh, it's interesting in that regard to hear Geno say that. Um, but you, you want to keep your backup ready. I respect that. So um, I believe the Seahawks are going to plan to look at a third quarterback um, through these next few weeks. It might be Ehlers, it might not be. So we'll be interested to see how that plays out. The guy will likely be on the practice squad uh, as opposed to the actual depth chart. So, <laughs> excuse me. Um, 
Yeah, I apologize. This episode might be shorter than normal. You might notice the bags under my eyes. Uh, it's been a long, long weekend, and we're pushing through it. So, um, yeah, it could have gone with Aesop Winston Jr. Had three receptions, 74 yards. Jake Bobo had a decent game here. We'll talk about him in a minute. Uh, but I went with Drew Locke on offense. On defense, I don't even have a photo of him in his game action. Uh, we went with the safety slash uh, defensive back because he's kind of played all over. Jarek Reed, the second uh, late round guy uh, that the Seahawks selected this year. Uh, six total tackles, five solo, two tackles for loss. Uh, it was flying around in this game, making an impact. And it's really going to be a tough spot for him to make the roster, considering how stacked the secondary is for the Seahawks. Um, especially, and, and that doesn't even include the guys that are fully healthy. Uh, I mean, not fully healthy right now with Devin Witherspoon trying to get back. Um, so it's, it's and Jamal, well, we'll get to Jamal news in a minute, but yeah, it's going to be tough, but he, he showed out and maybe ends up earning a spot on the practice squad or another team sees this and, and wants to give him a shot. He's kind of undersized as a safety, but that never stopped anybody. It didn't stop Earl Thomas. So yeah, I'm not sure it's, it, you know, a game like this where it's, spe- it's essentially just very much a tryout for a bunch of these guys to go and. You know, a lot of them are fighting for their jobs, really. Uh, in Locke's case, it was just getting more reps. A lot of them, uh, it was fighting for roster spot. It was funny. Jake Bobo, uh, two receptions, 27 yards, and a touchdown. The first touchdown that the Seahawks scored. Nice little inside release. Um, was able to get through some traffic. And that sneaky speed of his uh, was able to get him into the end zone, uh, get a step on his defender. Uh, Drew Locke was able to find him in stride for six. It was funny. Because post game, Bobo was like, I, I, he was, he's been sweating the cut date. He's had the uh, finalized roster dates for when the NFL team needed to turn in their finalized 53 man rosters. He's had it circled on his calendar. And I'm like, I think he's played well enough to earn a spot on the 53 man. You know, obviously you're going to have DK and Tyler and JSN. Um, I mean, but from there, it just kind of goes, it's, it's interesting. Dariq Young is a guy who's, I've heard his name a lot. Uh, D. Eskridge isn't going to be available for the first six weeks of the regular season. So at least in that very instance, uh, you know, for six weeks, Jake Bobo has a spot, I would think. You know, and that's not exactly how that works. Um, but I, I, I think he makes a 53-man roster. I don't think it's much of a debate. I don't think it, there's much doubt about it, personally. So, um, yeah, no, it was interesting to kind of see that. Uh, you didn't really see much of any of the starters get playtime uh, this preseason. A few of the starters got in for a drive or so. I believe it was in the game against Dallas. That was about it. That was about it. And that's probably all they need. I'm sure the first few drives of week one might be rusty for some of the players. Um, hopefully it doesn't have a big impact on the game. But yeah, no, it, it, it made a lot of sense how they, the Seahawks played this out and how uh, training camp went. So uh, we'll look here at roster moves, the cuts to go from the 90-man preseason roster down to the 53-man regular season roster have already begun. Uh, The Seahawks made seven cuts yesterday, starting with tight end Sal Canella, uh, defensive end Jordan Ferguson, wide receiver Malik Flowers. Uh, Yeah, you'll see it there. It's, It's just... It's going to be tough, you know, because there are guys who maybe fit elsewhere. Maybe they didn't even get that much of a chance. Um, 
<laughs> here in Seattle. They only got a few reps, and they might have been in quote-unquote garbage time. Uh, it, it's such a small sample, sample size. Cornerback Benji Franklin, wide receiver Justin Marshall, cornerback Chris Steele, and UW running back Wayne Tulapapa. Uh, and I talk about getting a little bit of a chance. Tulapapa got... I think his first snaps of the game were on that final drive of the game um, when Allers and the Seahawks are trying to drive. So, yeah, it's uh, it's tough to get that going. But this leaves the Seahawks at 83 players on the roster. More will need to be coming in the next few days. I'm sure that we'll get some today uh, by the time that this episode has dropped. Starting on Wednesday, teams can begin forming their 16-player practice squads, and it'll be very interesting to see how many of the players' names that we've seen mentioned in the preseason in training camp ending up on that practice squad. Pete Carroll has said that the hope is to keep as many players from the current roster around as possible. Um, so that'll be interesting to see. But, yeah, it's going to be tough. Pete Carroll said he loves this group. He loves the the group they've got and wanted to keep them together and trying to see what they can do. But, you know, at the end of the day, if some of these guys show out enough for other teams, they're going to get claimed by other teams. And so, you know, again, will be very interesting. More well, I say more, not quite. Uh, good news here Jamal Adams this past week, uh, passed his physical on the 24th. He will be uh, going through walkthroughs and such. I don't believe he's expected to make the week one. Um, I don't think he'll play on week one. Jordan Brooks is supposed to play by week one. And Jackson Smith and Jigba, who on the 22nd of August underwent wrist surgery, still could have a chance to start the regular season. That surgery will determine how long he will miss. He does have a screw in that wrist. Uh, He hurt it in that preseason game against the Cowboys when he had that big catch that we talked about so much last week. Um, But he sounded like he was in good spirits. Um, And from what I understand, uh, he might not be so much of a long shot to make week one. So we'll see about that. Um, By the end of the day, you want to keep him for the long haul. So looking ahead, the Seahawks finish the preseason with a two-win, one-loss record. Their next game is September 10th. That's going to be regular season week one here at home at Lumen Field against the Los Angeles Rams. That's a 1.25 p.m. Pacific time kickoff. It's going to be a big one. It's going to be a big one. You got a division rival in here. There's a lot of hype and excitement around the Seahawks this season uh, coming off of that last year where they arguably overachieved. You know, you've got all these exciting new rookies. Julian Love in the secondary was signed in free agency. Um, Draymond Jones on the defensive line was signed in free agency. So it's going to be very, you brought back Jerron Reed. So the Seahawks have a lot of talent whether that be younger signed through free agency drafted guys who are coming back and looking to build off of impressive years last year uh it should be a fun season it should be a really fun season we will have uh more seahawks related content for you uh as you follow us on circling Seattle sports across all sorts of social media that includes here on youtube you just put in circling Seattle sports you should find our youtube channel you also find of course all the other css on converge episodes but Make sure you're looking at our socials for more Seahawks content, of course. So we go from there over to our Mariners, who are currently the hottest team in all of baseball. And fun enough, I try not hit the roof when I do this. I get to bring the broom back out. I don't want to get any broom particles 
on my keyboard. That would be smart. Um, we go over here. We don't get to bring the broom out quite yet uh, to the first series of this past week. The Mariners were closing out their 10-game road trip in Chicago against the White Sox in the Windy City. On the first game of the series, on August 21st, the Mariners would win that one in absolute shellacking 14-2. Our player of the game catcher, Cal Raleigh, three hits, three runs, and six RBIs on the day. It's a multi-homer game for Cal, and he absolutely explodes as his entire offense really does. Uh, and gets a satisfying series opening victory uh, on the 22nd to win the series. The Mariners would win that one six to three, uh, a little bit less offense, but still a nice output. Nonetheless, um, I'll play the game the designated hitter, Mike Ford, four to two hits, one run, one RBI and one walk. Um, you might look at that and think, Oh, that's not that great. He did reach base four times, um, which was nice to see. Mike Ford had been having a really rough go of things as of late. Um, ever since he had this really strong run when he was called up, he had uh, kind of been struggling at the plate, striking out a lot. Um, and you're hoping that, you know, there's a guy you brought up, a guy who does possess some nice power. Hopefully he can turn some things around. And that was a nice game for him. Uh, in the series finale, the Mariners were looking for a sweep. It was a day game, a getaway game. It was very hot in Chicago, and the wind was back. If you remember last year when the Mariners were in Chicago, the wind did play a factor in that last game of the series. Uh, I was blowing the ball over the place. There were several pop-ups in the infield that kind of got lost because of that wind. Uh, so it was a wacky game. It was a wacky game, and especially because of the way it ended, the Mariners would lose that one 4-5. to five. Their winning streak would end at eight games. It would not go to nine games. Uh, but they would end the road trip with an eight and two record over 10 games. So it's not the worst thing in the world whatsoever. Um, our player of the game, second baseman, Josh Rojas. Rojas has really been heating up since that Baltimore Orioles series. And he continues to do so here. Three hits, one run, one RBI and one walk in this game. A really strong all around performance from Rojas um, and uh, a loss here, unfortunately. But again, it was a close loss. Um, and the Mariners probably just wanted to get the hell out of there um and get back home so we go from that series over to home after that series finale on wednesday in the getaway game the marriage would get a day off and then they would start their series uh sorry six game homestand which continues later today um with a three-game set against the kansas city royals the team that they began their road trip against just a little bit ago uh so paying this pesky royals team once again uh, to be kick off that series on the 25th on Apple TV, which I know a lot of you don't like, and I apologize. I understand. Uh, I would say just join us at the ballpark. Then if you're able to, it makes it much easier and it's a better experience anyway. Um, they would win that one against the Royals seven to five. It was a close run. Andres Munoz comes in and shuts the door, uh, even though the bases were loaded. Uh, our player of the games, number one and two, number one shortstop JP Crawford, JP uh, he led this game off, actually, uh, in the bottom of the first on the first pitch, a solo homer to right field. Uh, he did tally three hits, three runs, one RBI, and one walk on the day. Our other player of the game, third baseman A. Eugenio Suarez, three hits and three RBIs on the day. Uh, so big days uh, from a couple of Seattle's infielders there, especially the left infielders. Uh, continuing it, the Mariners would win the series with their August 26th victory, a huge and emphatic 15-2 win, similar uh, to that White Sox series opener where it was 14. Was it 14-2 or 3? I want to say it was 2. It was 2. I have somewhat of a memory left. Um it was an absolute explosion of offense. 
able to really cruise here. Logan Gilbert has a nice outing as well on the mound. Uh, the offense absolutely explodes, including our player of the game, right fielder Teoscar Hernandez. Teo, uh, two hits, two runs, and six RBIs. It's a multi-homer game for Teo, including a grand slam. Uh, it was funny because I think it was just the inning before this one where he hit the grand slam. Teo had runners in scoring position. Uh, and he wasn't able to do anything with it. Uh, and he comes up the next at bat, and he is able to take care of business, which was great. Uh, and we'll go over here. Look, stuff going on. I don't know. Uh, our photo of the game here by Matthew Bermudez. Josh Rojas got in on the action with a home run of his own. There were seven home runs by the Mariners in this game, uh, which is a franchise record. It was tied for the most in a game, um, I believe by Mariners hitters of all time, but most at T-Mobile Park uh, with seven homers by the Mariners uh, all time, which is incredible. Seven homers is just absolutely ridiculous. To close out the series and secure the sweep and get the broom out, I'll bring the broom out in a minute. Don't worry about it. Um, the Mariners would win a tight one, three to two over the Royals on Sunday. Two players of the game here at number one, starting pitcher Luis Castillo, La Piedra, seven innings pitched, only one hit allowed, no runs, one walk on the day. So only has two base runners, and they both came in the same inning. Otherwise, he faced the minimum six times through his seven innings, also including six strikeouts on 95 pitches. Uh, our second player of the game, center fielder Julio Rodriguez. Julio, uh, two hits, one run, and two RBIs, including a two-run homer that would give the Mariners a lead that they would need because the Royals would come back after being down three to nothing. Um, as Nelson Velasquez hit a two-run homer uh, to bring them within run, uh, the bullpen Justin Topa and Andres Munoz are able to clean things up after Gabe Spire had an uncharacteristically bad outing. Um, and they get the sweep. They get the sweep, and they would move into sole possession of first place in the American League West with that win. And it has all of us feeling like Julio here in our photo of the game by Liv Lyons. Um, just incredible. Just incredible the sort of run that the Mariners have been on. Uh, a lot of the offense has been able to pick things up, including a guy like our player of the week, Teoscar Hernandez. Teo, seven games, this past seven games, he's got nine hits, five runs, seven RBIs, one walk, one stolen base, one double, two homers, a 409 batting average. You can see the on-base percentage and the slugging and the OPS. Teo has been doing a lot better as of lately. The summer months have been really good, except for July. I believe July wasn't so great, uh, but June and August have been excellent for Teo. And he's continuing that, and the Mariners are getting the sort of power that they envisioned that they'd get from him from uh, when they acquired him this off season. So, um, oh, I did it. Uh, where are the Royals? They're over here. Boop boop boop. Um, no, it's big, and I don't want to continue to say it, but I will. I mean, the sort of production that you're seeing from the Mariners and who is doing well are guys that it's all internal. Teoscar is someone who was kind of slow in the early months. Well, not kind of, he was slow in the early months of the season. Julio who's gotten hot. Um, we talked about him last week has gotten started over the summer months. JP Crawford's been solid all year long. Eugenio Suarez has had some really impactful games, whether that be some at the plate. We talked about him earlier uh, there in the game section uh, or with his glove. You know, he's a gold glove, knock on wood, gold glove candidate this year. You know, Ty France has been doing better than he was in the early part of the season. 
um, you know, so in Cal Raleigh, Cal Raleigh as well. So you're getting, it's all internal, the success here. It's not necessarily they went out and got the big bat, you know, and even the guys that they acquired in the Paul Seawald trade in Dominic Kenzone and Josh Rojas, Josh Rojas, especially as of late, um, have been performing. So I don't want to say I told you so, but again, it was all going to have to be internal at the end of the day. Um, and that's what it has been uh, for the Mariners here. So I'm going to briefly look at some roster related news here on the 21st of August, later the day um, when we recorded last week's episode, um, the team reinstated infielder JP Crawford from the seven day injured list, which I believe we talked about recalled Darren McCacken from triple A Tacoma option infielder slash outfielder Sam Haggerty triple A Tacoma and then place Emerson Hancock on a 15 day injured list with a right shoulder strain. Hancock is going out with that shoulder strain. He dealt with the same sort of injury last year. It delayed his 2022 start down in the minors. Um, and what Hancock has told the team doctors and the team staff is to figure this out, please, because this is an issue, as I just mentioned, that he has dealt with before, and he wants to get this figured out and understand why this is happening to him um, so that he wasn't have to deal with this again in the future. So on top of that, uh, as we talked about at the end of the episode last week, center fielder Julio Rodriguez was named the American League Player of the Week. The 22-year-old batted. Uh, at a 568 clip with seven runs, four doubles, two homers, 12 RBIs, six stolen bases during the week as he got on base at a 579 clip, slugging 838 with a 1.417 OPS. He is safely in all seven of the games that he played in, registering five multi hit games and four consecutive games with at least four hits. He becomes the first player in Mariners history with 20 plus homers in each of his first two major league seasons. Uh, now also has become the fastest Mariner to 50 homers in his career uh, doing. So I believe like 13 games faster than Alex Rodriguez. Um, he's one of just two players in major league baseball history with 20 plus homers and 20 plus stolen bases in each of his first two seasons joining Kansas city's Bobby Witt jr. And this is the third time in his career that Julio has been named the American League Player of the Week. Uh, Previously, he did so earlier this year, May 22nd to 28th, and then June 27th through July 3rd back in 2022. So um, wrapping up here with our Mariners, they continue their homestand uh, in their month of July, as I mentioned, uh, July, oops, (laughs) their month of August um, tonight with a series against the Athletics. The Mariners sit at a 74-win, 56-loss record. They sit at first in the American League West. They are, yeah, you heard me right. Again, first in the American League West. They don't have to worry about games back from the top of the division or the wild card, but the job is not finished, as I have talked about in our articles and online. The job is not finished. The Mariners are in the driver's seat. They just have to make sure they keep their foot on the gas, folks. They cannot slow things down or lose focus. They've got a crucial, crucial, I try to say crucial and critical at the same time, not quite how that wanted to go, but um, they have a key stretch here throughout the rest of the month of August. You know, they've got these games against Oakland and then the three to begin the month of September against the New York Mets in New York. And then things get kind of dicey. Um, we'll talk about that later when we get to it. But um, the first two games here against Oakland, including tonight, the 28th, uh, the 28th and 29th are both 640 p.m. Pacific time first pitch. 1.10 p.m. start on September 30th versus the Athletics. That is a getaway game, um, excuse me, on Wednesday the 30th. Uh, the 
I, what, what, the 31st of August, yes, will be the day off for the Mariners in New York before they place. Uh, they battle the Mets, who had so much expectations, whether it be the uh, It's All About the Mets meme uh, or Meet the Mets, the song. Um, the Mariners play the Mets uh, three games here. The first two games on the 1st and the 2nd of September uh, are 410 Pacific Time starts. And then the third and series finale is a 10.40 a.m. Pacific time first pitch there against the Mets in New York at City Field. Oh, someone's doing construction next door. So if you hear a pounding, I apologize. Um, Yikes. All right. Um, Anyway, we'll continue here uh, with our Seattle Storm, who wrapped up the last of a three-game road trip uh, and began, a, well, it wasn't even a one-game homestand. They played one home game before they will go back out on a four-game road trip uh, to close out, well, not to close out the regular season, but essentially. So the first game of the past week, August 22nd at the Chicago Co- Sky, pardon me, a 79-102 loss. Tough one here. Uh, the storm just really fall apart in this one. Uh, this one was kind of rough from the get-go. Uh, it was all sky all day long, rather, I should say night. Um, Drew Lloyd had a nice game. She was our player of the game, 26 points, three rebounds, five assists. Um, just overall, again, a tough one. Seattle really wasn't able to hang around in this one. And it made things tough. It made things tough. Um, <laughs> cause you want to see them be competitive. You want to see them bounce back. Uh, they just weren't able to do so. Uh, they would get another chance at the sky later on, but we'll get to that. Um, they would play the fever next to wrap up their road trip. They would lose this one 86 to 90. So it was a close one, uh, much closer than that loss to Chicago, but it still wouldn't matter. It wouldn't be enough. Um, they would fall to the fever, uh, by four points. Again, Jewel Lloyd puts up a nice performance. Um, 32 points this time, four rebounds, one assist, and one steal, including 19 points in the fourth quarter. This also, this road trip sees Drew Lloyd become the Storm franchise leader for single-season points. Uh, She is trying to chase the regular season record in the WNBA set by Deanna Taurasi. I'm not sure if she'll make it, but with the offensive performances that she had, she's had, I wouldn't necessarily put it out of the realm of possibility. Uh, it'll just be interesting to see how much she maybe chases that, maybe pushes it. I'm, I'm not too sure. Um, then the f- one home game that'll separate uh, all these road games, the Storm would come back to Climate Pledge Arena and host the same Sky team and lose. Uh, 85 to 90. This one was a tough one. The Storm were actually playing pretty well for the first three quarters. They shot the ball well. They were at 48% shooting through those first three quarters. And then they fell on their face and they only scored 10 points in the final quarter. Um, Player of the game in this one. There were a couple good examples of what I could have gone with here. Ezzy Magbagor, though, with the double-double is what we'll go with. 15 points, 14 rebounds, one assist, two steals, and one block for Ezzy in this game. Uh, as we'll go to our photo of the game here by Liz Walter. Does not include Ezzy, but this includes some other players who started off the game well. Sammy Woodcomb, 19 points, four rebounds, four assists, three steals in this one. Three steals is big. Jewel did have 19 points, six rebounds, and six assists including two steals, uh, but wasn't necessarily efficient shooting the ball. Uh, an interesting one here, too. 
the Storm got Yvonne Turner involved in this game after really rarely getting her minutes in the second half of the season. Mercedes Russell had an excellent game off the bench, 13 points, 11 of them coming in the first quarter, setting a new career high for Mercedes. Uh, she did add three rebounds and one, two, one assist and two blocks on the game, which did that lead the game? It did lead the game, yeah. Two blocks led the game. So, I don't know. This one, it's tough. I mean, the Storm are now officially eliminated from playoff contention. We all saw this coming. I get it. Um, I was trying to have a hot take and think that maybe they were scrappy enough um, to find their way into a playoff spot. And, you know, give them credit. The Storm were scrappy. They A lot of their losses were tough and competitive games. And this is including a bunch of games um, against really good teams. They pushed the Liberty at just about every game that they played the Liberty. They haven't really pushed the Aces, um, which, sure, I expect that. They pushed Connecticut. Uh, a lot of their games they've been competitive in. There aren't that many that they've been blown out in. That Chicago one earlier in the episode there, early in the segment, that counts as one of them. Um but no, you know, I, I talked about it in my game recap of this game. Uh, it's been a big growing year. The Storm are going to have to make some decisions in the offseason. It all starts with Jewel Lloyd, whether she wants to come back or doesn't want to come back. Uh, but there are some definitely some pillars here uh, when you look at this roster. I mean, Jordan Horson has played well all year long as a rookie and, and done some things that only, so, uh, that only a few rookies have done. Ezzy Magbogor continues to grow and grow and grow. Uh, Mercedes Russell seems to be finding her 2021 self. So, you know, and, and you've got other important contributions from your know, rookies and Dulce Fink and Mengiadu and Jid Melbin. So there are some definite positives to look at uh, with this Storm roster, but obviously some frustrating things like not being able to clean up your, your rebounds and your points in the paint and just your general paint presence. And then you're turning the ball over too much. So it's definitely a growing and learning experience for Noel Quinn and the storm team. So looking ahead, they sit at a 10 win 25 loss record. Their next matchup is August 31st at the LA Sparks. So they head out on the road again. This begins a four game road trip for the Storm. So they had a three game road trip, a one game return home, and then a four game road trip once again. So, yeah, kind of bizarre. Kind of bizarre. That game at crypto.com arena has a tip off time of 7 p.m. Pacific time. And then uh, the next game on that road trip this week, September 2nd at the Las Vegas Aces, 6 p.m. Pacific time. The Storm will try to make this game against Las Vegas competitive. Will they do that? I'm not entirely sure. Um, but it'll be fun to watch Drew Lloyd try and break the WNBA single season scoring uh, record uh, if she's able to do so. So that'll be something to watch for sure. We head over here. Uh, to our Sounders, and yeah, man, I mean, I talked about it at the head of the show. It's not a loss, but, you know, with where you're at right now, with the run of form, with the way the table is stacked up, with how morale has been, you kind of need wins. Uh, and they got half of a win. They got a draw. They split points with the Loons in Minnesota. Uh, it was a tough one because... Nico Ladero assisted a, a nice, beautiful header to Yamar Gomez Andrade in the first half. He had a nice header. The, uh, the Sounders were up 
at halftime, you're thinking, oh, you know, maybe they're going to be able to put it together. There's some concerning things here for sure that I'll talk about here in a second. But, hey, maybe they're figuring it out. Maybe they're putting it together. Um, no. They would give up a, uh, a late equalizer, and it's kind of funny, kind of cruel, maybe not funny. Um Yamar uh, was going to clear a cross into the box and he headed it into his own goal past his goalkeeper, Stefan Fry, uh, and would tie things up. So Yamar uh, was responsible for both goals in this match, which is, is not, it's not great. Uh, so, you know, oh goodness, that thing is still going on. So yeah, um, it's not not the worst outcome that could have happened. It's not the best outcome that could have happened either. Um, the troubling statistic is that the Sounders defenders of Yamar Gomez Andrade and Alex Roldan had better attacking stats in terms of shooting than the Seattle attackers, which isn't great. Another thing that wasn't great was that Brian Schmetcher, head coach Brian Schmetcher, basically promised that there would be changes to the lineup, but the lineup has been mostly the same people, just in different fonts and just in different forms. Um, and he rolled out basically the same lineup once again, and he made his substitutions way too late once again. So, yeah, man, I don't think there's only one person that can be uh, have the blame set upon. A bunch of people are putting it on the coaching. A bunch of people are putting it on individual players. I just see a lack of heart from a lot of these guys, really. Uh, lack of urgency. You know what I mean? It kind of seems like we're treading water, even though with this draw, the Sounders moved up a, a spot and they're third in the Western Conference right now. So, yeah, it's a bit wild. It's a bit frustrating. But here's to hoping that they can figure that thing out uh, sooner rather than later. So uh, their next few matches, they've got two matches over the course of the upcoming week. Um, next, August 30th at Austin FC with a 5.30 p.m. Pacific time kickoff. They are headed straight to Texas um, from Minnesota. They, they did some decent things in Minnesota. Let's hope that they can take the good things that they did in Minnesota, or the, at least the decent, um, and push them over to this match against Austin. Austin has not been the team that they were last week. So it'll be very interesting to see what takes place for them in this matchup against Austin. I say that Austin has been the team that were last year. You could say the same about the Sounders. So their other match this week, September 2nd, hosting the Portland Timbers here at Lumen Field with a 7.30 p.m. Pacific time kick. Uh, you could argue that everything started to go downhill with the Sounders when they lost 4-1 to to Portland down at Providence Park earlier in the season. Um, you could also just say F Portland because it's the Timbers and that's the rivalry. Um, you just hope, you hope and hope and hope that the Sounders get up for this game. It's a rivalry match. It's arguably one of the bigger matches of all the season. Um, and they need to be paying attention. So, you know, it's going to be a really big one. That one, especially Austin. Yes. I'd say that all of these matches, the close of the season are big, but the Portland one for obvious reasons just feels so much bigger. So, we move here to our OL Reign, uh, and the soccer department does not get any happier, unfortunately. Uh, the Reign would lose their match in California against Angel City FC uh, by a score of 1-2. to two. Our player of the match forward, Megan Rapino. Pino comes in as a lead substitute and does score a penalty goal, uh, but it wouldn't be enough. The Reign attack would come in 
at the end of the match in extra time and would be bringing in dangerous possession, dangerous possession. They just weren't able to get a real proper dangerous shot on goal to tie this thing up. Uh, and they would drop this one. They would drop this one. They are sitting at sixth in the NWSL standings, which isn't great. I can see where they're at points-wise to see a better idea of what's going on here. But yeah, the rain road struggles continue. We talked about it after last week with the Kansas City Current. Kansas City is playing much better than the record reflects, though. So I, again, take that so much with a grain of salt. Um, but yeah, it's... Uh, it's very frustrating. The The commentators... Uh, okay, wait, hold on. Uh, points. Okay, they're two points behind Washington. Oh, they're two points behind fifth place Washington, fourth place New York, New Jersey. They're three points behind San Diego North Carolina, and North Carolina. Okay, so a win would put them um, back into the mix. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Okay, um, the commentators were talking about how, oh, maybe since they didn't have their internationals for a while and they're just really fully coming back this match that they're trying to get back and augmented into things you could make the argument that the rain have had training with their internationals back and that that really wouldn't factor too much into it and laura harvey didn't sound too concerned about it in the pregame um but hey maybe i mean i wouldn't necessarily doubt it i can't tell you that all the players look can totally you know conjoined in this match they didn't look like they were forming one big uh you know cohesive unit per se so i don't know it's frustrating i mean you'd like to maybe make substitutions sooner uh it was interesting to see laurel not laurel laurel ivory's birthday is today make sure you wish laurel a happy birthday you could do that on one of our social medias uh whether it be instagram twitter facebook and wish her a happy birthday on our happy birthday post but yeah i don't know it's it's very interesting. Uh, Claudia Dickey got the start in net for the rain. It was for her first ever NWSL regular season start. Her other starts have come in the Challenge Cup. Um, and the first goal she allowed was a, a big mistake, which was unfortunate. Uh, the other Both goals that the rain allowed were mistakes, which was not both by Dickey, but just in general, uh, which was a frustrating to see. So, I don't know. Here's to hoping they can tune things up and, and, and head in the right direction, focus in the right direction. Um, from here on out. So uh, we do have a piece of news here on the 22nd, the team extended midfielder, Olivia Vanderjot. Vanderjot agreed to a contact extension through the 2026 NWSL season, marking the second year midfielder, the longest contracted player on the club's roster, which is pretty interesting. Um, hmm, interesting. Um, she signed a three-year contract plus an option year. The option has been exercised since entering the league back in 2022. The 24-year-old has made 32 appearances, 21 starts in regular season play for 2013 total minutes and ranks 10th in the NWSL in aerial duels one, adding one goal, nine shots, 124 duels one, 28 tackles one, and 15 interceptions. This current season, the 2023, Van der Yacht has started in eight of 11 games played and scored one goal, the game-winning goal, and the team's home opener against the San Diego Wave on April 15th. The Kent native has also made two starts in four appearances throughout the 2023 UKG Challenge Cup, helping the club clinch the West Division for a second consecutive season. As a former Husky and as a Seattleite, I am biased. It is excellent to see Olo back. And it's always extremely interesting to hear um, 
the different players within the rain organization or even the coaches and the staff talk about Olo and they just have such great things to say about Olivia Vanderyat, uh, which, Hey, I'm all for, I am all for pushing the Olivia Vanderyat agenda. That is totally fine by me. I am totally good with that. So, uh, very nice to see the extension here. It just makes you wonder when we might see certain other extensions for the rain, uh, made by general manager, Leslie Galmore. Roosevelt. Mm. Who knows? Um, so the rain with that loss uh, will now sit at a seven win, seven loss, four draw record. They are fifth in the league table. Wait, no, sixth. I died. Sixth in the league table. Do, do, do. We're going to double check that because I'm 90% sure that it's six. <laughs> yes, sixth. Uh, looking ahead, their next match is September 3rd versus the Orlando Pride back here at home, back here at Lumen Field with a 3 p.m. Pacific time kickoff. That is the Reigns fan appreciation match. Uh, they have expanded sections for all of the remaining home matches. So make sure that you're getting your tickets for these matches to see at the end of the regular season play of Re uh, Megan Rapinoe's career. We would obviously like to see the rain. Uh, get a playoff berth and we'd get to see her play more matches at home, but uh, they get to take care of business first. And that includes going to this game uh, and the other home games as well. So make sure you're going to those. We're going to be there uh, of course. So we will wrap it up here uh, with our star of the week and with how hot they've been and how not so hot the other teams in Seattle have been. It's hard to not go with the Seattle Mariners. You know, the, the team continues to be the hottest team in baseball by many metrics. They continue to set records. Uh, they're playing good baseball, largely. I mean, I didn't like how many times I struck out against uh, Royal starter Alec Marsh in Sunday's game. But Luis Castillo had an excellent game going seven innings. Logan Gilbert went seven innings the game before. Uh, they've got Brian Wu back from injury, who is pitching tonight against TBA from the Athletics. So it'll be interesting to see who they put out on the mound. The bullpen has largely been able to hold things down. Uh, and even when they do have the occasional mess up, I mean, the bullpen has been so consistently good for the Mariners. It's hard to be mad when they have the occasional mess up. They are human. Uh, and you're getting production from all parts of the lineup, not just the top half. Uh, you're getting from the bottom third, from everybody, which is excellent. So, and... I continue to be able to bring out my broom for this. Again, I don't want to get broom bits on my computer. Ugh. So I want to say thank you for dealing with the home office situation, the home studio, uh, the bags under my eyes. Uh, if I messed up here, a bit tired. Uh, we're working through it. Uh, I want to appreciate everybody who tunes in for our episodes of Circling Seattle Sports on Converge Media. Until we see you. In the month of September, you can play the 21st nights, September. You can play it all you want. I'll probably play it as I'm going down to the ballpark tonight. Um, make sure if you can, you're coming out to these live events, whether that be, you know, the Mariners games as they continue their hot stretch. Uh, the last storm game of the year is a, uh, I believe, yeah, the last one is a home game. Um, the Sounders still have a few games left uh, at home as they try to get uh, their playoff seating all figured out and hopefully lock up an actual playoff spot before I get ahead of myself. The rain as well. The last few home games, the last few home regular season games of Megan Rapinoe's career are taking place here at Lumen Field and other sports teams will wake up eventually. So until we see you next week in the month of September, uh, make sure to take care of yourselves, be well, and do whatever you can to make today a great day. Love you. Take care.
Converge Media produces culturally relevant content for Black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.